Yeah. Hang You're... on, that's going to stop the washing machine. Oh. <laughs> and anything else? Does anyone else have uh, any pressing things that are coming up? I mean, there we at, go. This, at this rate, it'll be like, well, I do have to go to work tomorrow. But I mean... It was just about to start spinning. So, yeah, it would have sounded like I was taking off. Oh, okay. Anyway, right. Hello and welcome to the second special this week in the 80s. We don't have a washing machine interrupting <laughs> us anymore. So for take two on this one. So that's a bonus. Um, it's the same format as before. Uh, we each uh, look at this week in the 80s, what happened in this week and our secret source, um, as in source, as in website source rather than source source. Um <laughs> What and are you talking about? Anyway, so we we have a look at this week in the eighties, and then we t- and then we chat about the things that interest us, and we like to pick out one of the one of the slaps on the wrist I got after the last podcast was, oh, you never introduced everyone on the podcast; you just mm. went straight into it. Yeah. Oh, we can tell. Listening can... on audio don't see us, do they? Yeah, but then they hear us. They know what. Oh, okay, so oh, this is your first time. Tuning in for the first time, babe. Come oh, on. Right, so so. No. In our wealth of films that we got to pick from, the insightful analysis over here to the chummy, wonderful camaraderie type thing over here. The first thing that they hit is a second in the series of the a week in the a week in the eighties. I don't know if you say "play Rusted Junk" on your listening device, it will play the latest podcast. So there we go. Okay, well, this is if if you are that person or those people who are listening in for the first time, then welcome. We love you all. Welcome aboard. I'm Charlie. I have an encyclopedic style knowledge of the 80s, including some of the trash that people like to forget, hence the title of the podcast. Um, Who wants to go next? Me. I'm Amanda. Um, I'm Charlie's other half um, and don't know much about films, but it's quite funny because I sometimes watch these for the first time. Oh God, I'm Joe. I'm the lone American on this podcast. Oh. oh. And I am very familiar with the eighties since I lived through it. <laughs> and survived. Yes. <laughs> and, I, and I'm Dom and what I lack in transatlantic glamour or eighties knowledge, given that I was fourteen when the decade ended. I'm here to make up the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right. Well, I'm not gonna go first this time with uh my story who uh dom <laughs> no okay I'll Joe. Go first I'll okay go first. oh no wait a minute no wait a minute no, no, by going it first to, it has to be amanda this is what i've been looking forward to most yeah i agree let's let's it's, hear amanda it's like the K- look you'll have to look this one up it's like the klf it's grim up north all she yeah. does is just re- regurgitate the fog ghostbusters Conan the Barbarian it's just like yeah, but they're good films compared to what I've got to talk about this time you picked uh, a rubbish week to pick babes sorry it's just not I good. might be talking about some of them as well so okay. well 1980 right. in March nothing to report there right. seriously it's rubbish <laughs> 1981 again she what? is doing it again wait a minute what <laughs> nothing nothing got released something got released I did but nothing you'd know uh, excuse me. Right, March. Let's go through it. Stone Cold Dead. Coal Miner's Daughter. That was yeah. a drama. Right? Which was Sissy Spacek, which won an Oscar. Yeah. Okay. Well, apart I don't from that, that, no, you're right. Nothing got released. Right. Death Ship. Yes. Um, starring Jurgen Prop now. Yes. 
Okay, the last word. Hello. A small circle of friends. Uh, don't ring a bell. Leroy et Loiseau. French, I presume. <laughs> the king of the uh, bird. Mangiati <laughs> Vivi. Nope. That was a horror. Nijin, din, nin, 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 not easy for me to say. Nijinsky? Yeah, Roman Polanski film, yeah. Okay, Forbidden Zone. Have a field day with this. Roman Polanski over here, the Oscars over here, Sissy Spacek over there. Oh, fine. but nothing got released that, that that's fine. I don't know. I told you, I don't know much about films. Anyway, right, that was 1980. 1981, Madhouse, a horror movie. Oh, I was thinking of the John Larroquette one with Kirstie Allen. Yeah, I was thinking no. of that one too. That's a great, oh. guess a good film. I, I was thinking of Pat Sharp and the Twins, but that, that was perhaps a different. <laughs> there was a, a house kind of um, theme running here because um, there's The Fun House, which is also a horror movie that was released in March. Yeah. Um, modern Romance, Romantic Comedy. Nope. Nope, don't know that one. Um, I know that one. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Uh, Postman Always Rings Twice. Jessica Lang, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. yeah, very famous. Okay. Yeah. He does it on the kitchen table. Let's see. Yeah, Je- <laughs> Jessica Lang, one of my favourites. Okay. Yeah. Mm. That was 1981. 1982. Yeah. Are we going to do all the years or are we going to stop at 85? No, no, we're going through as we did last time. Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip. Which is a, an absolute classic. Are we saying that that's forgotten? Is that... Well, I, I mean, don't know. I mean, Eddie Murphy based his whole, whole act upon that. Well, yeah. I just thought I'd give it a mention then. Okay. All right. Um, Porkies. A rite <laughs> of passage. Yeah. That was March the 19th, 1982. That was really... Uh, um, don't know any of the others. 1983... Nothing there, I know. Well, for those who listen on audio, it's just men shaking her head in disdain at, at, at the, the fact that she has oh. no idea what she's reading. But yeah, go on. Well, Please proceed. Okay. Uh, 1984. Now, now we're we're getting uh, some traction on this. This is Spinal Tap. Yeah. Okay. Children. Wasn't of... that, wasn't that mentioned last week? It was. Yeah, but I had to overlap because it was not. It was bad last time. But not as bad <laughs> as this time. So I've had to look, only, you only get three strikes to say Spinal Tap is bad. You've had two, possibly okay. three. Children of the Corn. Yes. I've not seen it, but Stephen I think it's quite, King. Yeah. Quite um, memorable, isn't it? Uh, Splash. March. Yeah. 9th. Can I just interject that website that you pointed us to for the reference, Charlie? Is rubbish because none of these are on that. I I could have done my little spiel on any number of those films that we've talked about so well, by all means yeah. feel free to so, you know look, look elsewhere i'm using is the dash numbers.com okay. right fine next time i'm just abandoning that extremely limited website yeah. limited and i've one, got loads one, of stuff one Go thing on. that you'll you'll enjoy police academy the first one march 23rd 1984 which is a which we dom and i have discussed is a bona fide mm-hmm. classic and then March the 30th, we've got Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan. And then, again, same same day, Romancing the Stone. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Right. Classic. That is a good question, Dom. Why aren't any of those movies on that site? Well, some of this we seem to be going later into March now, which is fine. But, um, no, we are what? later into March because there's, there's hardly anything in 
like oh, okay. Yeah, so That's basically she's listed about. a load of films that come out in a five week window. So we need to re- we need to ch- <laughs> we need to change the title of this. This five weeks in the eighties. Well, otherwise I then it opens it up. I bet if you click on next week, you'll get oh splash. All right, okay. Talk about (laughs) otherwise. Anyway. Oh, sweetheart, you bring you bring such sunshine to the podcast. Oh, careful. Nineteen eighty-five March. Right, the sure thing. Yes, Uh, one of my favourite films. Okay, and then um, we've got Friday the Thirteenth Part Five: A New Beginning. It, it, it wasn't, but yeah, okay. Oh, was it not? Was it really that bad? Uh, then, obviously, a year later, uh, we got Porky's Revenge. Yes. Which, uh, ah, so Porky's Revenge is strange because it's the third in the in the title. So Porky's Two the next day, which is dreadful. And I mean dreadful in the way that Porky's was okay and it's all right and it's watchable. Porky's Two is pretty much unwatchable. Huh. Okay, and then March 29th, we see uh, in uh, in that year, uh, Desperately Seeking Susan and Police Academy 2. Uh, this will be a common theme, I think, because I'm, I'm going to be talking about Police Academy 5. Yeah, I think they released them in March because 1986, <laughs> see, oh, the Care Bears movie 2, A New Generation, Highlander, A Room with a View, which I mentioned last time. Yeah, you did. What? And you ragged on it, which yeah, I yeah, didn't like it, which upset you... Joe. And then Police Academy Three back in training. Well, maybe they released those in March because it's St. Patrick's Day, and they figured so many people are going to be drunk, they'll just go to <laughs> see anything. <laughs> yeah, could be good. Good point there, Joe. Uh, March 1987, Evil Dead Two, Heat, and uh, Raising Arizona, and then we've also got um, Blind Date. Not not the Al Pacino one is it not it's the Burt Reynolds one how is it okay 1988 we see uh Police Academy 5 Simon Miami Beach we'll get to that uh Biloxi Blues and we also see Beetlejuice Biloxi Blues you you, if you haven't watched that dear listeners you need to go and watch that Matthew Broderick Matthew Broderick Christopher Walken oh it's just brilliant. It's just amazing. Okay. I, I should watch that again, but I, I remember being bored with it when I saw it. Really? It's just oh. it's a slow it's a it's a nice slow burner until you get What's and then you get that book again. Uh being um um boot camp uh yeah. for the Second World War. Mm-hmm. I, so I think it'd be a good one for the pod because it's split opinion a bit, as would Beetlejuice and Highlander as well, I think you mentioned Amanda. Yeah, oh, we've done Beetlejuice. Ah, uh, yeah, we've had, okay. Well, Highlander money. Yeah. Is it run out of movies? Highlander, no. Po- popular at the time, but does it, you know, I've seen it recently, I wasn't so sure. Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? Doesn't stand the test of time, really. Uh, and then in 1989, Lean On Me. Morgan Freeman. Uh, we've got uh, Chances Are. Hey. And Police Academy 6. <laughs> Under Siege. How many of them did they do? Seven. Oh, geez. Um, and then Leviathan. Oh, our favourite. Mm. Well, which um, gave the title of this show, the exactly. Leviathan. Yeah. Mr. Junk. Uh, we've junk. also got... Um, oh, no, that's it. That's it. And then oh, there's one here. 
And I'm sure I'm supposed to know it. The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Oh, yeah. I like that movie. Yes. Yeah. What is that? It's like a Terry. It's Terry Gilliam, isn't it? Um, yeah. He's, uh, it's a tale about. Okay, I can't remember. I remember watching it. <laughs> Wasn't it a financial disaster? Essentially. Sorry, this I think it was. It, encyclopedic no, it's, knowledge, Charles. Come um, on. Yeah, he's supposed to be like this uh, historic British figure who was in the military, oh. and um, they just go on these adventures with this little girl, um, uh, you know, and they meet people along the way. Uh, Eric Idle's in it. I, I'm sure there's a bunch of other people. Was Robin Williams in it? <sighs> like he played like a yes, head. yes, he was. That's yeah. right. Um, but it's it's just like it's fun to watch. It's one of those Terry Gilliam movies that's I would say a little more family friendly than okay. the other ones. Yeah, I so say it's comedy. Um but yeah. There we go. I'm done. Okay, wow. I'd say wow. it was worth it just to hear you say porkies. <laughs> <laughs> well how am I supposed to say it? I don't know. I just I found that amusing. Well, how else can you say it? Porkies. Porkies. I thought thought the note of contempt in as you said it was... was, uh, was, No, I just liked how you said it with your accent, you know. I I mean, I I say porkies, you know. It's the same thing. No, you you said porkies. (laughs) (laughs) It's a difference. (laughs) Accent suave on the O. (laughs) Porkies. Um... So I'll go first, and I'll pick up on no, one of the films first. that we talk about. Well, I'll go first on the proper agenda, yeah. You know, we did this last week. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I mean, I don't count. Did you oh, know it was International Women's Day this week? <laughs> uh, yes, you couldn't move because every woman was telling you. So, yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, I'm... I'm uh, we only get one day in a year. It's not good enough. We get a day in a year. Nobody gives a <laughs> crap about it. I'm like, cheers, thanks for that. Men... Who needs them, eh? Uh, Police Academy 5. I did say that 4 and 5 are the worst films in the series. Mission to Moscow, which was the the final one, was poor. But at least you can go back and watch it. City Under Siege has its moments. Very poor as they are. But Police Academy 5 might just be the worst one of the lot. Why? Um, It's... So, <laughs> Commandant Assad think he's, thinks he's going to... So, they have a... Um, so, it's assignment Miami Beach. He thinks he's going to Miami for a conference. But at the airport, he gets kidnapped. But he doesn't think that he's been kidnapped. He thinks these are just his hosts. Okay. So, the, half the film is that the cadets and everything and everything else going on. And the other half is Assad sitting there drinking tea with people, thinking that he's just with this lovely family. And he doesn't get it that he's been kidnapped because the people that kidnapped him don't speak English. So it's wonderful. So it's this, it, it, it reminds me of the um, National Lampoon's European vacation where they go to the uh, see their in-laws um, in Germany and they go into they go into the wrong, the, well, you don't know this at the time, but they knock on the door and the people welcoming in, they go, oh, lovely to see you and stuff like this. And they stay there and they cook for them and they drink. And in the end, they, they go... <laughs> and the subtitle is who were they? He goes damn definer <laughs> and and it, and it felt a bit like it feels a bit like that in Police Academy 5 
the reason they kept mention the, the reason they keep mention this because even though it was the law of diminishing returns, it cost fourteen million to make and oh, it raised fifty four point five million. You're right, Joe. Somebody somewhere was going to watch this. I was one of those people that was going to watch it, and I found it funny back in the eighties. But now, with the prism of God knows experience or taste. It's gone. I, I love Police Academy. I love Police Academy. I like two. I like three. Um, but this suffers by not having Mahoney. It doesn't have Steve Guttenberg because he was off making Three Men and a Baby. Um, so he's not in it. And it suffers for it. Are these the films that have got like the really tall guy called Hightower? Hightower, yeah. And then yeah. the small um, African-American woman that has a really high voice. Hooks. Yeah, and then like the the guy with like really wild hair that really speaks really weirdly. Upcat Goldthwaite, yeah. Okay, they're those yeah. films. Yeah, yes. that's why I don't watch them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Do you want to know what the audience score is on Rotten Tomatoes for Police Academy Five? Oh God, twenty nine percent. You're not far off. It's thirty three. Oh. Do you want to know the critics? Oh, nineteen. That's gonna be in the single digits. It is in the single digits, unfortunately. That digit is zero. <laughs> it's zero. I'm what, they've not reviewed it, or...? <laughs> I don't think anyone gives a shit. You know, like, even 40 years later, even the critics are like, I'm not touching this turd. Some of the reviews are a bit pithy. Um, <laughs> yeah, go on. Reeks of, des- reeks of desperation. Um, just a single word review, no. Um <laughs> Yeah, the creator of Police Academy films clearly not a man who could be stopped even by a SWAT team of movie critics with blood in their eyes. Yeah, <laughs> not, not, not a success. I mean, this is like the epitome of cynical, profit-driven film, cranking the handle filmmaking, isn't it? And uh, yeah, it was awful by this stage of the franchise. See, and I say that, and I'm going to just uh, bring the bring the current situation into it. John Wick Four, the buzz for that. And the, the people that have seen it have said, this is not only one of the best, it is the best John Wick film. It might be one of the best action films of all time. That's the buzz that's universally mm. coming from all these places. And I'm like, I don't know what you've done here, but if this if this is true, then it's going to mean the fourth in the installment, well, which is, if we use the Star Trek analogy, Star Trek for the Voyage Home, that was a brilliant film. So yeah, we got another... John Wick to Star Trek? Well, you could base it in the fourth in the series. Yeah. Oh, good lord! No, well, I, I still I warn people from early. They're not reviews; they're basically uh, social media. Yeah, because they're I not guess, allowed to review, are they? They're, they're... Yeah, usually those people are invited by these major co- corporations or companies that make the movie, distribute it, and a lot of times they're afraid to say anything negative because they won't be asked again. So I would still curb your enthusiasm until you actually well, see the movie. Eric Weber, who I do trust, and Chris Gore, who I do trust, unanimous. And and, and that's what they're coming from. And they're really not part of this. Oh, and they've seen it. They've, they've seen, seen it. it. Oh, that's cool then. Okay. I take I'll, that I'll, back. I'll, I'll, no, no, I'll post you Eric Weber's thing. Eric Weber just was a giddy school kid when he came out of that. He said it was just uh, incredible, but I can't tell you anything about it. Um, well, there's one of mine. Uh, seen as Amanda is... Uh, um, I was about to say spent your load, but that's not the right way to use Scattergun. Yeah, Scattergun, yeah. Dom. Me. Dom oh, or right. Joe. Or Joe. 
I don't, I don't mind going because um, it is slim pickings this week. Unlike other members of the pod crew, I have stuck to the week in question rather than you know, <laughs> range over the entire quarter. No yeah. content, sorry. Well, yeah, okay. Well, I'll let, you, I'll let you be the judge of whether or not I found any content uh, when, I, when I did my bit. So, um, when, so thinking about March, obviously rich in historical events. There's the famous Ides of March. Caesar was killed, 15th of March, uh, 44. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did, did you not get the message of what, yeah, what it's we do? Yeah, not the 80s. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, no, I, you know, this is, this, is my, this is my segue onto my content. And, um, <laughs> 680s. You know, I've prepared a deep dive on the Iran Contra affair, which was the case in March, uh, March 16th, 1988. Um, or we could just do a deep dive on Uranus, Charles. Uh, so that was my heavily trailed joke. Um, that was 242 years ago. But yeah, so sticking to 80s um, subjects, I've got one that's personal one to me, which I'll save for later. Uh, or I've got a um, much better sequel uh, than the one that you earlier talked about, which, which is the release of The Evil Dead 2. Oh, yeah, is, yeah, let's talk about that. 13th of March, 1987, and I think um, is a good film in its own right. I think I, think I remember nominating this for our sequels. Um, I know, I apologise. We did, we, we did Friday the 5th. Uh, we did um, Halloween 2 instead. I, I do apologise. No, 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 but um, but yeah, Evil Dead Two, enjoyable film, better perhaps than the original, one of those kind of rare yeah. sequels, I, I would say. Um, very kind of self-referential as well. Um, so that kind of, I think, a bit of a catalyst for later '90s horror films, such as Scream, which kind of you know, tongue-in-cheek, a bit of a nodding wink to the audience every now and then uh, that they're in on the, the joke as well. And I was looking at some of the um, lines that are available on uh, IMDb, and uh, at one point. Um, Bruce Campbell's character is getting shouted at. Uh, I'll swallow your soul. I'll swallow your soul. I'll swallow your soul. Aims a shotgun at her face. Swallow this. I just think the lines like uh, lines like that. There's um there's the famous groovy line when he gets a chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Groovy yeah. for his hand. And then the little uh, the little kind of you've got to pay attention to the film a little bit if you're watching it. So when his um new hand has been his possessed hand has been sawn off and he sticks it on the bookshelf it's next to the uh, the book Farewell to Arms little little in jokes like that <laughs> but I thought, you know, A it's an enjoyable film in its own right and B kind of laid the groundwork for some of the um, some of the other films which, which followed and you talked about films which are getting a good buzz online at the moment I forget which number it is is it Scream 6? Um, 6 yeah. yeah not yeah. getting a good buzz not getting a good buzz. Well, the, the, the previews that I've and reviews that I've read uh, put it in good stead. So, okay. yeah, perhaps more mixed than, you know, unanimously loved like uh, John Wick 4. But yeah, so I'll be going to go and see that pictures anyway. Okay. Did you see the previous? Have you seen all of them? No, I don't know about all of them, but I've certainly seen the first three, I think. Yeah. All right. Okay. It's interesting that you go out to see six and not five, which was a couple of years ago, was it? But if, get, if it gets a good review, then that's yeah. I, I haven't got enough time to uh, to go and watch terrible new films at the cinema. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, six I'll go, and I'll, I'll go and watch John Wick four as well. I'm sure. Yeah, well, we could all catch up about John Wick, but not for the podcast. Although maybe I, maybe we can. Maybe we just go outside a little bit here and there because I think people like yeah. us and, and trust us uh, on this sort of thing. So we could all like. Or like a yay, have a trip. Obviously, I'll go with, with you, Amanda. But yeah, what sort of genre is John Wick? Would you say uh, action? Action. Keanu Ke- Reeves film. <laughs> we need to watch three. You didn't watch three. 
Um, so we can watch three before we go and see four. I'm sure I watched three. Because I, I, I remember saying I didn't watch three, and then we started watching three, and I was like, oh, I've seen three. You know what's annoying she's, she's with those films? The first one's called John Wick. The second one's called John Wick 2. The, the, the third chapter. one's called John Wick 3. Oh, it is called John Wick, the next chapter? The, yes. The third one is called Parabellum. And now this is called John Wick 4. There's no <laughs> subtitle to that, is there? I don't think so, no. It's like having franchise and movies, and one of them has to be called This Time It's Personal. I just think, you know, that's going <laughs> to that's gonna be in there at some point. John Wick 4, This Time It's Personal. Yeah, but they use that. That's the tagline for Jaws of Revenge. So, yeah, let's... Which we'll get to at some point. I know, look, I'll have to probably drag you all kicking and screaming to watch it but we have to do George 4 at some point I'm really sorry and what, what year did that come out? 87 thought it might be our first time stepping out of the 80s straight yeah. jacket which you put us uh, in I'm I looking might be. to lead the, lead the escape with a 90s <laughs> film or a 70s film yeah. I might be ill that day uh, look <laughs> don't, don't be washing your hair or anything right um, yes, I agree with you. Evil Dead 2, it is better than the original. Um, and then obviously from there, you've got Army of Darkness, um, which is Chainsaw Hand is suddenly revered as a god and then and then chased down. Um, yeah, I agree definitely on that one. Um, Joe. Oh, let's Joe, see Joe. here. I've got my list here. Have you got Let something nice up. and obscure like The Greatest American Hero started this week, which I would know all Damn, about. Damn, but... you bastard, you guessed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Was it? For Sorry, first. I just took it. Okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, March 18th, 1981, The Greatest American Hero premiered on ABC. Oh, what just... is that then? What a series. Uh, so um, it sounds like Charlie's seen it, and it sounds like Amanda has not seen it. <laughs> no, no news there then. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a fun series. It lasted for three seasons. I mean, I loved it because it's about superheroes. It's about a guy who finds this costume that was dropped off by aliens, but as he's leaving, he he loses the instructions to the costume, and he has to figure it out along the way. So he keeps messing up all the time. Um, it, it was a fun series. I, I, I enjoyed it. The theme song was, oh, was very, was very amazing, popular. Amazing theme song. How did it so, go? Uh, do I'm, I I'm trying to believe it or not. I'm walking on air. Never thought it could feel this free. <laughs> Who was in it? Uh, William Katz. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was originally, he might have been Luke Skywalker. He auditioned for it. When I look at it now i wish he was you know because yeah i don't know i i think he would have played the role more masculine than uh mark hamill did um connie selica i don't know if you ever heard of her she was cute this is teacher girlfriend and uh robert culp who was robert culp the only other thing i know he did was i spy with bill cosby which was a tv series um but it was fun. It was, a, you know, as a kid, you love seeing superheroes. He had a red suit with a cape. Yeah. And you just didn't see that stuff on TV back then. It was definitely a forerunner to, to a lot of stuff. It allowed, you know, allowed things to break out a bit on TV. And 
But I loved the second season more just because he finally figured out how to use the suit. The first what season. What sort of things did he do then? Well, he could. He was like kind of like Superman. Like he could fly, had X-ray vision, could turn invisible. Um, he had super strength and all that. But like when he would try to fly, he would always crash. Like he didn't know how to land, crash into buildings, or um, you know, or or he'd be flying and all of a sudden he would forget how to fly, and he he would just <laughs> fall to the earth in terror. <laughs> okay. Uh, you'd like it, Amanda. I think you would. It sounds, it sounds like it's at my street, yeah. No, she wouldn't like it, I'll tell you. Oh. But, uh, but Dom, did you ever watch I think, it? I think I tried to show you one time, and you went, what is this rubbish? But, I mean, that was a while back there. I've um, I've never heard of this. No, it does sound intriguing, but the series premiere that I thought we were going to be talking about was somebody was going to call out was TJ Hooker. Also, yeah. Bit, yeah. Bit, which I, I do remember vaguely, but, um, but I've never heard of this one, Joe, I'm afraid. Well, you, don't, right. you don't forget Heather Locklear. Maybe you and Toodle Pip could have a uh, watch party. <laughs> what, for Greatest American Hero or TJ Hooker? Or both? Uh, well, no. <laughs> no. For Greatest American Hero. Uh, you've seen TJ Hooker, right? Mm. William Shatner, what an actor. Yeah. Adrian yeah. Smed was a great sidekick. Adrian Smed. <laughs> yeah. What was Come it? On. Was it Heather Locklear? Or was, Heather Locklear, was yeah. Yep. Yeah, she was oh, hot. Yes. But I. I don't know. I just wasn't. I never seen that series. I, I mean, I would watch a random episode, but I just wasn't interested in it. Because William Shatner's Captain Kirk. He's not a cop on Earth. No, true. <laughs> or a legalese person with James Spader. Um, never seen that either. It was in. Oh, what was the title of the series? I know I've got it to watch, uh, but just because that James Spader. Boston, Boston Legal. It. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. That's a good shout. I'm sorry I nicked it. I'm sorry I stole the thunder on it. Um, uh, I did have a minor film to just before I talk about the other thing that I wanted to do. In 1983, High Road to China. You all missed that one. Starring Tom Tom Selleck and uh, Bess Armstrong, who was in Jaws 3. She played the uh, dolphin trainer in Jaws 3. Bess Armstrong was was cute. uh, Yes. Yeah, yeah, she was. Um, And... It was just basically a rip-off of Indiana Jones. It was like a precursor to Romance in the Stone. It's almost like, let's try this film. And it failed miserably because Tom Selleck is not an action hero, despite the numerous times you and I, Joe, have talked about all the action roles that he did go for and, and didn't get or missed out on because of other other ways. Tom Selleck's just not an action hero. Well, he is, but he, he's typecast as Magnum, you know, because that's an action hero. It's not an action. That's not an action hero. Put him that's, in the. Put him in the ring. That's yeah. a private investigator. Yeah, exactly. It's like Harkless and McCormick. It's like they're not action heroes. They're not. Oh, he, but he threw a couple of punches. <laughs> Whoop de do. Didn't cops <laughs> do that in the eighties though? Yeah. Yeah. He, I don't know. I, I was. I, again, I think he was typecast. I couldn't. I, I've seen screen tests of him as Indiana Jones. And yeah, it just doesn't work. And and he was the number one choice, which I'm so glad that that didn't work out. Yeah, absolutely. But you put him and Fred Dreyer, Hunter, in the same ring. I don't think Tom Selleck's getting out alive. <laughs> but anyway, my uh, 
a st- penultimate story um, in case we've got some got some time. Sounds like we might 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 have done. Depends what else you've got. Um, Damon Wayans this week in 1986 got fired from Saturday Night Live. Um, now I like Damon Wayans. I liked him in the Last Boy Scout. Um, Amanda, I know this is where you go. Oh God, who's that? The guy that gives Eddie Murphy the bananas in Beverly Hills Cop. Where he goes, oh, you can just have, you could just have some for free. Oh Played yeah, it. right, okay. That's how you describe him. Well, no, I mean that's how I'm going to get through to Amanda because I'm not going to go the last Boy Scout with Bruce Willis. She's going to go, oh yeah, oh him. Right, anyway, now we've established that frame of reference. Great. He joined in with the intake in 1985 with Robert Downey Jr., Anthony Michael Hall, Damon Wayans. In this particular scene. He was, what he was doing behind the scenes is because he was quite creative. He was giving his ideas to Lorne Michaels and the rest of the team at Saturday Night Live and he was just being ignored. And he said, look, I'm, you know, I'm better than this. I'm, I'm, I've got some really good ideas. And they just ignored him. So, <laughs> this week in the 80s, he was on Saturday Night Live in a sketch called Mr. Monopoly, which was, the premise of the sketch was um, John Lovitz played, basically... Damon Wayans played a cop. Um, oh, who was the other person? Randy Quaid from Cousin uh, uh, Eddie from the National Lampoon films played a cop uh, interviewing somebody. And in the end, he goes, Oh, we need to. Premises John Lovitz comes in dressed as the Monopoly character with the top hat and said, I'm here to represent him. And he said, Well, I've got this. Puts his briefcase down, opens up, and goes, I've got this. And gives him, he goes, Get out to jail free. It's like what? It's a, yes, you have to let him go now and stuff like this. Anyway, that's the that's the premise of it. Damon Wayans decided he was going to play the cop as gay. Um, he hadn't because it was all live. He just decided that that's what he was going to go out and and you can go and have a look at the sketch on YouTube, which I did. And Damon Wayans is the funniest thing about that sketch, apart from I mean John Lovitz, but John Lovitz is just great in anything. But he did that, um, and they fired him. What, and they for went, playing the character gay? No, for going off script. Now, make of that what you will. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because I know when I was looking, uh, um, when he did that, he fired him right after the show. And he said, for going into business for himself. That was the description. Um, he went from there into, uh, and then did uh, In Living Colour. Um, did you see uh, that? I did. I did see part of it because it was only shown on Channel Four, but that's obviously where Jim Carrey started in. Yeah, it was very popular over here. It was yeah, yeah. like, like a like a Black Saturday Night Live, and his brother, who see, so he this is Damon Wayans, they were Marlon Wayans, and they were just the, Keenan, the, Keenan Ivory Wayans. Keenan Ivory Wayans, yeah, he was the one who started it. But yeah, that was uh, they had one token white guy on there, and it was Jim Carrey. And that was really the first that anyone ever heard of Jim Carrey. He might have been in some minor movies and everything, but that made him a star. And it was in Kids in the Hall as well. Yeah, but I I think everyone back, you know, over here, everyone watched in Living Color. Like, not everybody watched Kids in the Hall. That was Canadian, right? Yeah. 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 Um, So, So it's weird because he went, he went and did that and he went and improvised. And he just took the character from Beverly Hills Cop, which is probably why I mentioned it for the other reason, apart from jogging Amanda's memory. But um, he just plays it like that. And you just think, 
it's it's a it's a good it's a it's a good character. It's it looks out of place. There's no reason for it. Um, but yeah, that's how you get fired. But they let everybody go. The, the intake that they took, they scrapped them all. Robert Downey Jr. out. Anthony they Martin weren't very good. Out. Well, it turns out that Robert Downey Jr. is not bad. <laughs> I think he's very good at comedy. I remember that that season. I don't remember Robert Downey Jr. doing anything in that season. He probably did. I do remember Anthony Michael Hall, you know, doing a couple of characters, but it was a very weird cast. Well, Anthony Michael Hall, I I, I like for obvious reasons. Anyway, that was that was mine. Dom, do we go Dom Joe again, or do we go Joe Dom again? I get, not again. <clears throat> Well, I'll just finish off alienating the listeners with my next contribution then, shall I? Because I've gone for <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> good. That's why we're here. Yeah, that's so uh, so I've gone for a musical uh, insight this this time. And um, on the 19th of March, 1988, was uh, released an album uh, which um, I think is probably one of my most played albums of the, of the 1980s. Um, I present to you the California Raisins singing the hit songs. So... You may remember the you may remember the commercial um, that that kind of boosted their popularity. I heard it through the great vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cover of that. Well, <laughs> my parents were uh, into sixties music. You know that, that was their generation, but very much like the Beatles and the Stones and the kind of popular stuff. So I'd grown up listening to that. And um, one of my mates got this California Raisin sit the hit, sing the hit songs, and it's the first time that I'd had that exposure to it. So the track listing is brief. I'll I'll do it here. So I heard it through the grapevine. Lean on me, stand by me. You can't hurry love. Heartbreak Hotel, La Bamba, Respect. When a man loves a woman, moany moany. So absolute stone cold bangers, each and every one of them. And um, my, my first exposure to them, I, it was only several years later when I realised they weren't actually sung by these um, these raisins or the people providing their voices to the raisins. I knew that song before I knew about Elvis Presley doing Heartbreak Hotel. So oh, I'll, I'll, I'll admit there was a little That's bit of ignorance um, swelling in the mix there as well. But that album was um, was a big part of my childhood. It exposed me to a whole new uh, genre of music, really, and classics that I still listen to this day. And in preparing for this pod, I had it on in the background as I was typing up my notes for this. And um, yeah, it still stands the test of time because whoever impersonating the Raisins are actually really, really credible singers and, uh, and do a pretty decent cover version of that. So that's that's my much more <laughs> time. From March 1988 is the release of the California Raisins album, uh, Singing the Hits. <laughs> well, I keep it oh, short. I keep it short. I just You're raising to... the game there. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, we need we need a sound effect for good pod. We need a good oh, pod. Oh, God. Right, okay, I'll try and find one. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> anyway, Dom, I'll keep it, I'll keep it brief. I only have 12 questions. Um, so, you you thought that the Raisins were singing? <laughs> well, obviously not literally. The, the Raisins. No, but I mean... Well, yeah, I, I, thought they'd, I thought they'd done these... You know, I thought they'd written... Thought it was the originals. Yeah, so the people behind... Oh, them, right. Them. So, so the originals. You thought that this was some super group, mm. the California Raisins, that, that mm. came up with all of these hits. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know the individual uh, people that contributed to it. You know, how old? How old were you? I would have been twelve. Oh dear God! That's yeah. that's, that's. However, you know, had, had you quizzed me on uh, my knowledge of Lennon and McCartney or um, 
or Mick and Keith, then I, I would have I would have been there. But yeah, these these were new songs that I'd not heard before, and I assumed had been written by the creative department of some, you know, <laughs> edge. cutting I think, edge. I think it's lovely because it's given you access to music you probably wouldn't have listened to before. Exactly. It was only when I put it on in the car for my dad to listen to, and he said, "That's not Elvis singing that song." <laughs> but, <laughs> the, scale, the scales dropped from my eyes. And so how did you come about having <laughs> this uh, LP then, Dom? Because did you buy it with record tokens or gift vouchers? Or... With the advert, presumably, and then, yeah. It was, it was my mate who was a bit wealthier than the rest of us where we grew up, and he'd been able to go on holiday to America, which, you know, put him in legendary status in my community. You know, I think um, I left the country until I was about 14 and, uh, and trips to Europe were, you know, to the southern Spain were as well as exotic as it got for everybody else. He'd been to America, he'd been to a baseball game. He had he had Nike trainers and a baseball cap and he came back with this album that he put on and we listened to on repeat. Either sat and listened to it or were playing on computer games with it on in the background and that was a, that was a soundtrack to my... That's amazing. My, my that is pretty good. That's a cool story. Probably more like one summer or, or you know, a year of it uh, we had together. And, and um, yeah, but oh. I remember it very clearly. That's really cool. Oh. And, and Joe, I think I'm right in saying that that advert in particular, that I heard it through the grapevine, was did, did pretty well over in, um, in the it US. It did. Yeah, it sold a lot of raisins. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, when, that, uh, that's fine. Do you know what? If we're going to record one more of these, then music is allowed if we get stories like that. Seriously, just just bring them in. I, I love that story. All right, there you go. The, the personal insight, that's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Joe, how can you follow that? Actually, I had two more, um, and I thought you were going to steal my thunder with uh, when you said music, and uh, it wasn't. I'm not going to broach that one since I think we're running short on time. No, no, but, we're all right. Another 10 minutes or so. All right. Well, I, I'm going to broach the other one, which is The Simpsons premiered as a cartoon short on the Tracy Ullman show back on March 19th, 1987. Wow. Gosh. And I don't know if you... Did you guys watch the Tracy Ullman show? Yes. We got, it, we got it on Channel 4. Yeah. This was the time like where Fox decided that they wanted to be compete with the major networks, which were ABC, CBS, and NBC. Everyone thought they were going to fail. They thought it was impossible. And basically, The Simpsons, you know, really helped a lot for them to succeed as well as they did. I mean, prior to that, they had Married with Children and a couple of other, you know, raunchy shows that they would have on there, which was different. They were a little more raunchier than what you would see, like, on... Your, your local major stations and all that. But The Simpsons premiered on the Tracy Ullman show. And I, I used to watch the Tracy Ullman show, but most people watch it just to see The Simpsons. It was like maybe a three to five minute clip of this animated family. And they were a dysfunctional family and they were very funny. Uh, and that's what we would talk at the water cooler like the next day. It's like, did yeah, you yeah. see that Simpsons cartoon? It was really funny. Uh, and then they decided to give them the green light and have their own series, and then it became history. You know, changed television forever, absolutely. But um, I mean, that that is a, a lovely 
story that's a great example and again another limitation app website charlie is i don't think that well i didn't see that on there but um but i think what's strange though joe is if you look back at those shorts from tracy do, do, do you not think it's odd that they did capture the imagination so much and i say this is a simpsons fan particularly of like the earliest the earliest stuff when you know seasons three to 12 or so bart, bart gets an elephant deep space homer yeah, exactly all those absolute classics which i still personally contend are some of the best you know best writing best uh television <laughs> animated television ever ever made but have you ever watched you obviously have joe but you know, when you go back and watch the the shorts what, what do you think um when you see them well they almost look like caveman pictures the way that they did through yeah, everything very crude yeah uh homer is completely different his voice is different he's more like walter Matthau than he is like the homer that he is now he's not as dumb um but it's, it's interesting too because bart was the star of those cartoons because he was such a bratty kid that kids looked up to and i'd say for the first maybe one or two seasons or even more he was the star and then homer just took off like just because of his stupidity and uh it was just really really funny uh it's, it still has its its moments you know i it, it's kind of like something that you'll put on where you just have nothing to do and you just want to relax and you'll put it on there and, and and you'll laugh and what's great about that too is that the supporting characters are just so good and there's so many of them and the majority of them are, are just funny and you you hope that they're in that the next episode because they're just so funny and you would never think that years later they'd start cancelling some of those characters because mm. of what they were at the time. So you well, don't have you don't have a poo in there anymore, do you? I think it's even sadder than that, really. I mean, you know, cancelling the characters is um, is one thing, but yeah, the, the show exists a bit like Police Academy, although on a higher level to make money now, isn't it? So I don't think anybody would be kind of rewatching and referencing series thirty in the same way that they do about you know. Some, I, I mean, I watched series six with my daughter the other. Um, they, in fact, just had it on the background when she was bit under the weather and we watched the episode uh, where Rusty goes bankrupt through <laughs> betting against the Harlem Globetrotters and uh, <laughs> and uh, sets up a clown college. And uh, uh, honestly, in terms of laugh out loud moments, I must have seen it 50 times in my life. It still it still gets me and it still gets me every time. It's just the, the writing is the standout. Some yeah. feature. So, oh yeah, yeah. So warm-hearted as well. I think it's um, you know, without being preachy at all. I think there's some, you know, it's just a, just a lovely um, idea, brilliantly executed, and as Joe says, with this supporting cast who are, who are fantastic. Um, yeah, I think it's probably my single favorite uh, TV. They get preachy sometimes. I remember this was funny. Like again, Trump was. I don't know if he was president at the time or if he was running for president. Where he said Kamala Harris reminded him he sounds like Marge Simpson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only he could say something like that. And so Marge Simpson got on her soapbox and and said uh, that she supports Kamala Harris and that Trump is a horrible man or something like that. And uh you know. too too late, he's nicked the cultural reference. There's nothing she can yeah. do about it. Yeah. It's been a, it's, the, been that, it's been going that long that they used to have a beef with the um original George Bush and the uh, George Bush senior. Yeah. <laughs> Classic episode moves in next door to uh, to home where they, they feud. Um, yeah, no, no, it's great. And they went on to have the movie. The movie was good too. I liked the movie a lot. 
Yeah, I, I went into the movie holding my breath thinking, uh, you know, my expectations are sky high, can only disappoint. And I was actually, yeah, ple- pleasantly surprised, certainly the first two thirds of that uh, film. But the best, an- best animated comedy movie of all time is South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. I think that's I one of my, in a while. I think that is one of my top three comedy films of all time. It's very, it's very, very good. Yeah, Team America. Very, so well that's, that's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, as well. yeah. Um, but I, I put South Park on the other day, and I just went, "Oh, this is just the writing in this is just, it's just genius." Well, I, I would agree, but I don't know. I don't know how it's seen in America, but I think something like Family Guy, you know, has now surpassed The Simpsons in terms of kind of, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather watch a new Family Guy episode than a new Simpsons episode. Um, mm. But but none of them have the kind of heights of the original, the classic era of Simpsons, I don't think. But yeah, South Park, Family Guy, Simpsons, brilliant, brilliant television. I know that the the people behind South Park can't stand Family Guy because they feel like they're at the lowest denominator of comedy that they go for those like one-shot things that, you know, like how Peter would say, we'll say it's like, it's kind of like this doing this, you know, and then they'll cut to yeah. something and they, they hate that and they oh, they attack them on their show and they attack them in public and the Simpsons don't like them either um, but they did do a, a spin-off where the, the two of them were together I know at one point um, but yeah they, they're not fans of what is it it's like kind of like run and gun humor you know yeah. that, that South Park takedown of Family Guy is worth watching definitely encourage everyone to kind of check that out and I think you're right. It was a bit cringy that episode where Family Guy and the Simpsons did, did a crossover, but I think there's room for for all of these. Yeah. Well, there's still room for being still room for being relevant. The South Park episode where they um, go for Harry and Meghan is <clears throat> is borderline genius. Yeah, on their world privacy tour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the world privacy tour. Yeah, um, I haven't shown you that, Amanda. I think you'd like. I think you'd like that. Mm. Oh, she's she hasn't seen it yet. She hasn't seen it. I haven't shown it. Yeah. Good. And it has done so much damage to them, which I'm so happy about. Because you see so many things that happen. I mean, they do damage to themselves, you know, yeah. just by coming out and claiming to be victims and going against the monarchy. Like that Netflix special turned a lot of people against them because they just look like they're arrogant, I'm better than you type of people. Mm. And they're complaining about everything. And then Harry's book came out and people kind of mock that but the simpsons uh not the simpsons south south park just put the nail on the coffin over here where it's like everyone's like it's true it's true it's like they they keep saying that they want privacy but they really don't you know and it took a cartoon for someone to you know kind of like went like wildfire and i'm just so happy i'm i and i have a feeling they'll be back in that series because they're so oh, popular. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, they hinted that they may sue, but he might not have the money to sue because I heard that um, Prince Harry has 90, had 90% of his uh, money tied up in the Silicon Bank that's just been uh, made oh. insolvent. 90% Really? Yeah. Really? I did not know that. Yeah. That uh, <clears throat> kind all of those, make, all those makes book me... Sales, all those book sales meant nothing. <laughs> that, I, I mean... Yeah selling on the amazon for 5.99 now aren't they trying to like, get more more books out quicker <laughs> the 99p amazon fire sale every day yeah no I, I feel bad for the people with the silicon valley bank and everything but you just made my day charlie thank you uh, probably not tomorrow morning when the full effects of it are, are realized next it's week gonna be a, it's gonna be a bumpy week i fear uh, bumpy very yeah. bumpy um anyway uh 
anyone got anything else? I've got one last thing to finish off with, and it's very quick. No, I haven't. Okay. Well, I was going to say really quick. Uh, back in, um, let's see here, uh, March 16th, 1981, The Who released their ninth album, Face Dances, and I played the hell out of the album. I really loved it. Kenny Jones was his first, I think it was his first time as the drummer of The Who after uh, Keith Moon died. And I, I liked him. I thought it was good. I, I saw them in concert with, with Kenny Jones. and um, But it's hard to follow Keith Moon, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely agree. I mean, it's good, Joe, but there's no California raisins, frankly. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I was going to finish with the 1986 film, um, <clears throat> Dung Ho, starring Michael Keaton. Um, so, obviously a lot of respect for Michael Keaton he's my Batman he'll always be the, the the best Batman for me and we'll get to see him this year as Batman again so hurrah um, <clears throat> but the premise of Gung Ho was the uh, an automotive factory in America is, is taken over by a Japanese company and they bring the team, their Japanese team over um, and, and you think if we watch the trailer you think oh god this is going to be very awkward cultural appropriation a lot of people saying so and you know, thinking it means arsehole and whatever. And you just think that that's the type of film it's going to be. It's actually a really, it's funny. It's funny because of Michael Keaton. It's funny because the lead Japanese guy, and I unfortunately can't remember his name and didn't write it down. He's good. Um, he's yeah. actually the guy from 16 Candles. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which we don't mention him in 16 Candles because that's, yeah. that's very, very, very racist. Uh, yeah, Long yeah. Duck Dong. <laughs> Long Duck Dong, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but at the end of it, what happens is they get they have their little spats, they can't get on with the Japanese way of doing things and little clashes here and there and the Japanese are sent mad because they're not doing it. And at the end, everyone agrees just to work together and it's a really happy, nice, nice, happy ending. Uh, it cost 13 million to make, it made 36.6 million. My question just to finish would be, if that got remade now, you'd never have the happy ending. No, you, you wouldn't have the ha- you wouldn't have the nice thing where everyone just gets on and it's nice. And this is why I love the eighties. It's because yes, they got a lot of things wrong, and yes, you know, you can look back on things and think, well, okay, was that was that right or wrong, whatever. But its heart was always in the right place, I thought. And I think when you look at films like that, and I do remember it. Um, I haven't watched it for a while, but I will. It was. You just can't make it these days. You can't take that premise and put it in and have the nice warm ending because Hollywood won't allow it. Wasn't that uh, Ron Howard's first movie? No. Splash was his first. Was it? I think Splash was, yeah. It had his his, um, brother in it, Flynn. Yeah, Gung Ho was 1986. Yeah, Splash was... 84. Way before that, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, there we go. Um, I do think it sounds right for a reboot, though, um, in a 2023 setting, but substitute Chinese workers or a Chinese corporation for the Japanese, and let's let's see how that goes. I think you're right, Charlie, it may not have the happy ending, but I think it's a film I'd watch. They sabotage. Basically, we just would be cheering for the Americans trying to sabotage the Chinese at every single point. They might even I, blow up blow up Chinese pipe, pipelines and stuff. Oh, God, sorry. Wait a minute. No. 
some people would be cheering for that, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure there's many people would have been cheering in as would have been in the 80s. Not not so much now. Did but you still, hear they're, they're going to make a Beetlejuice too? I didn't. And now, if I made you all weak, Joe, by telling you about Prince Harry, you just just bum me out, as they say. Well, Michael Keaton apparently is coming back. Oh God, why? What, what ten minutes in the movie? It was. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if Tim Burton. Is, I mean, I just heard. Mike IGN reported it. Michael Keaton and uh, is it Jenna Ortega, the one who plays Wednesday. Okay. And uh, I think she plays his daughter. Um, she's all right. She's she's she's. Uh, well, okay. Uh, well, well, on that note, <laughs> Beetlejuice too. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Beetlejuice him play. Worked. Yeah, but the reason why Beetlejuice works is he's only in it for seventeen minutes. It's because it's inferred, and his he's doing this over here, but you don't see it. And, oh. and now it's just going to be front and center for the whole film. But that kind of made him a star, I would say. Uh, that movie. I thought Mr. Mom made him a star, but then Batman ah, he pushed was him a, into the stratosphere. Yeah. Um, but again, they had the cartoon. I used to watch the cartoon a lot. I, I really enjoyed that because of the character of Beetlejuice. I think people would love to see Michael Keaton play Beetlejuice again. Uh, we need a group watch when the flash is on. We're all going to see that, hey? Yeah. Oh, yes. Right. Anyway, uh, we come to the end. We'll do one more of these, I think, and then we'll kick off... Uh, Season seven. Has everyone oh. got their has everyone got their films? I've got my four. We each get four films, by the way. I think I might did I tell you that or not? No. Okay. We well, get four films. For what topic? Lucky dip. Whatever you want. Oh. Oh god, four films. I've got mine. Does that have to be eighties? Yeah. Yep. Well, well yeah, I'll change yeah. the title of the podcast for you if you want. I was I forget it if if we went beyond the eighties with the lucky dip. Well, I've got an 80s movies. Yeah, there you go. Right, it's on the... Uh, for those watching it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> 80s films. Okay. I'm not going to tell you my 80s films, but I do have them, and I think they are going to be... warmly welcomed, I think. I think mine are going to alienate listeners, so that's... Excellent, <laughs> so that's, that's good. <laughs> that's already... We've got that yin-yang balance. Excellent. So free lucky dip, but with you vetoing, would you, would you not want to do? Yeah. No, no, no. There's no. I don't. There's no veto. We do it, and and picking out in order. Um, I've got the perfect one to start with, and then you can all decide on which yourselves who wants to go, or we or you can agree in which yourselves who wants to go in which order, and then we'll just go in that order. <laughs> right. Looking forward to it. Almost as much as I'm looking forward to tonight's Oscars. <laughs> I can then drop into um, drop into future pods that we do decades hence, and uh, yeah, I can. <laughs> when it's uh, Richard Joke, the forgotten nineties movies. <laughs> I tell you what, we're going to have fun when that changes. We're going to have a lot of fun. We'll all get Alzheimer's. That'll be the fun bit. We won't remember what we're talking about. What you like most of the time? <laughs> like me most of the time, you cheeky kid. <laughs> right, I've got to go and cook a roast because right. you require a roast on a Sunday. You so. bought it. You bought it. Thanks. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for a swim. Um, right. I'm going to say uh, goodbye, everyone. Is <laughs> anybody, is oh, anybody okay. else? Yeah. See you. <laughs> can you play us out to uh, I Heard It Through the Grapevine, uh, Charlie? No, the California Raisins. I'm not sure I'm allowed to, but yeah, I'll do my best. Okay.
Okay. Toodle pip. Oh, dear me. That'll do. (laughs) See you later. Bye.